It is five o'clock here in Salford. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. With me, Richie Allen, the BBG, streaming for the first time on Rumble Video today. That's you over there. We got there in the end. A big shout out to Paul Ripley for all his help this afternoon. How are you doing, Paul? Thank you very much indeed. So we are on video, but we're on radio. Radio is what it is. Lots to talk about. A really good guest for you today. And a very interesting news roundup too. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, it's been a long, long time since Mariam Henain was on the program, but she's back today. She'll be live from Florida. Great lady. She made that fantastic documentary called Vanishing of the Bees. Do you remember that? Wonderful. She's a functional medicine consultant, an investigative journalist, and uh, the founder and editor-in-chief of Honey Colony. She'll be on with me for an extended conversation this Monday, that's today, the 26th of June, 2023. Mariam Henain. Yes, and I won't say too much more about Rumble. It's streaming on video on Rumble, if that's your thing. But this is it, really. For those of you, or if you, I should say, if you are watching on Rumble, this is it, it doesn't get any better. Nothing else. There won't be any change of shots. There won't be any sexy graphics moving across the screen around my baldy head. None of that. I'm not even going to use augmented reality to make it look like I have a full head of hair. Shall I do that? Get, um, I don't know, get a Brian May head of hair for, for my baldy bonds. But it, it is on Rumble. Again, thanks to Paul. I won't keep mentioning that. And it's there if you like it, but it's radio. So there you are. You have it. It's up there now. It's streaming. The Rumble, dot, the Rumble URL is rumble.com forward slash The Richie Allen Show with no spaces. And there is no T in Richie. Do you understand me now? Okay, The Richie Allen Show all one word. And listen, when I mentioned Mariam Henain, she's written a book about George Floyd, which I'm really interest, interested in. She's been following the George Floyd story. This man who, who died and who inspired the, the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that. Right, yeah. So she's written about that, but she's also written a book about vax injury and potential naturopathic ways around vaccine injuries. So we'll get into that with Mariam in around about 28 and a half minutes. Time to be precise. Why not? Now, I don't know what's going on with Yevgeny Prigozhin. Yeah, you keep telling us, Paulie. You're supposed to know. I don't know anything. I know nothing. He has this leader of the mercenary group, the Wagner Group. He's put out an 11-minute audio message today. He's supposed to be in Belarus, but nobody knows whether this is true or not. In fact, just before coming on air, I happened to catch on Sky News the leader of the Belarusian opposition party, a woman whose name I can't pronounce, and she said, look, he's not here and he's not welcome here because he is a war criminal. I have no idea. What happened was on Saturday, this mercenary group, this leader, he, he goes on video and bawls and screams a lot about not having enough equipment and bitching about Russia's military leaders. Well, on Saturday, he said he was setting out for Moscow and he was going after these corrupt military leaders who were letting down the Russian army. And then he was going to march on. Yeah, he was marching on Moscow. He went to Rostov first, didn't he? Anyway, all of this came to an end very quickly when there was some agreement between the Russian government and this guy, 
Yevgeny Prigozhin, and he's left the country. He's allegedly in Belarus. What's going on? What's really going on there? Was this a genuine coup attempt on Putin? If you believe the BBC, if you believe CNN, they will say yes it is. And now his position has become so destabilised, his position as Russian president is untenable. If you believe Western media. Now I happen to like Paul Craig Roberts quite a lot. The former US Assistant Treasury Secretary. Great old guy is Paul. Check out his website paulcraigroberts.org. What a man! Now I've not got Paul on today, maybe later in the week. But Paul says that his own position, Paul Craig Roberts' position, has been summed up very well by a former, a retired uh, US Army colonel called Douglas McGregor. And Paul reckons this guy has insight into what really went on over the weekend. Right? So Douglas McGregor, US Army colonel, retired, spoke, would you believe, to George Galloway. Yes, on George Galloway's podcast. And I decided I'd steal a bit of it. Here he is, McGregor. Well, I wouldn't call it a coup. Uh, I think what happened is that Mr. Prigozhin, who, as you know, is a well-known blowhard and has frequently said outrageous things, reached the conclusion that I think a lot of people in the senior ranks of the Russian army have reached, and that is two things. First, that this war has dragged on too long, and they want Putin to take decisive action to end it. And then secondly, uh, I I think the... uh, Fear is that the United States will be tempted to intervene in Western Ukraine with its Polish allies and others potentially if this does not come to an end. And so Prigozhin staged this. He went down to Rostov to the theater command center. He stayed there. There was no violence, but then he dispatched 4,000 troops to go toward Moscow. 30,000 troops in the Moscow garrison were mobilized and prepared to fight. And ultimately, Russian aircraft and attack helicopters were used against the 4,000 troops that Prigozhin had sent toward Moscow. So, at least in Moscow, people took this very seriously. As soon as there was any indication of fighting and that anyone could be killed, Prigozhin immediately called a halt to it. Lukashenko, who has known Mr. Prigozhin for 20 years at least and is a close friend of his, spoke with Putin, who gave him permission to talk directly to Prigozhin, and the outcome was, as you say, Prigozhin leaves and goes to Belarusia. Uh, There will be no charges against him. And one of the reasons for that is that both the Wagner Group and Prigozhin are very popular with the Russian people. Yeah, at no time does George Galloway ask um, Douglas McGregor, how does he know all of this? He just accepts it as fact and says, in fact, that he agrees with him. A little bit more from McGregor. They see him as the kind of aggressive leader that they want on the battlefield in this war with Ukraine. So I think what we have now to expect is a very powerful offensive will be leashed unleashed that is against the Ukrainians. And then secondly, I think you're going to see some changes at the top of the Russian command structure. I would expect General Sorovikin in particular to rise as a result of this. But like you, I see no evidence, frankly, that uh, Mr. Prigozhin was made an agent by MI6 or the CIA or anybody else. Anybody who knows the Russians knows that any senior officer or commander or leader is surrounded by numerous FSB informants. The idea that he could have sold out even if he'd wanted to seems ludicrous. Ludicrous, according to McGregor. 
Yeah, Douglas McGregor, get it right. Got it right that time. Answers on a postcard, please. You can share your thoughts on this or any other subject with me via the website richieallen.co.uk. Also, use the app. Why not use the app? Download the app. You can send a message to the studio in a millisecond. Right, but do read it out loud before you send it, please. That goes for the website too. Leave a message via the website or the app. You can use, no, don't use WhatsApp. We, we'll save that for, for the phone-ins. A hi to Sarah, hi to Leticia, hi to Chris Morell, who watched uh, Mariam Henane's doc about the George Floyd incident. And he says he urges everyone to watch it. It might give you a different perspective on George Floyd. And uh, hi to David Keane as well. Hi to David. Uh, the, the, the small boats came up today quite quite a number of times, various channels. You know, the, the small boats where people get onto a small boat and cross the channel. People from various parts of Eastern Europe, from North Africa and elsewhere. It's, you, you, you know, you know all about this, right? And there was a discussion on politics live today. I thought you might be interested in. Is there any stopping the small boats at all? Is there? It has been said that this issue will be an albatross around the neck of Rishi Sunak, the Conservative Prime Minister, and that ultimately it will do for him and for his government. I think it's an absolute guarantee that no matter what happens between now and the next election, Keir Starmer is a shoe in to be the next Prime Minister, isn't he? I think we'd probably agree with that. But anyway, is there any stopping the small boats at all? Well, Politics Live on the BBC took up this issue today with Emily Carver from Conservative Home. Notably, there was a, a, a panel of people and, and later Shami Chakrabarty who is a Labour peer, sits in the House of Lords for Labour. Let's hear from, uh, first of all, from Emily Carver from Conservative Home. Any way at all of stopping these blooming boats at all, is there? I mean, it is a massively serious issue. It's hugely divisive when it comes to the House of Commons and, of course, the House of Lords, where we'll see there are many, many peers who aren't happy with this legislation at all. And I'm sure Shami will come on to her Seamless. Her various yeah. amendments. But what I can say is that the numbers are getting... Well, Rishi Sunak stood up and said, everything's getting better, we're making all of this progress, as you said. And then it got worse. And then, actually, experts at the time were saying, well, we think it's more the weather, actually. And then it turns out it was probably more the weather that made the numbers go down. We are in a, in a, in a, in a crazy situation where, last year, 46,000 people made that journey. Some experts have projected that it could be up to 80,000 this year. That clearly needs to change. It's unsustainable. The hotel accommodation could be costing us £11 billion a year, according to government analysis. Clearly, it's fair for people to look at this situation and think, that's not on. Right, talking about levers, um, one of those levers, or a whole load of the levers, are contained in the Illegal Migration Bill, which is going to be in the House of Lords later on this week. Shami can tell us about that in a second. But first of all, Madeleine, uh, can you just remind us the, the main measures that are in that new piece of legislation? So I think uh, when looking at small boat crossings, the, the, the flagship um, sort of... Uh, by the way, this is Madeleine Sumption. I'm not sure if she's any relation whatsoever to the retired judge... Jonathan Sumption, but it's Madeline Sumption, and I think she's a director of Migration Watch Observatory. I think something like that. I'll correct that for you in a moment. Policy in the legislation. So, so she's been asked a good question. The legislation that the Conservative Party wants to get through the House of Lords and get the the nod from from King Charles, basically, right? Royal assent, as it's known, 
And what 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 would it do if uh, it goes unchallenged? Legislation is effectively making it impossible for people to get a decision on their asylum claim if they've arrived in the UK um, through an irregular route, like uh, on a small boat. Um, and so people would the expectation that they, well, there's a new duty on the Home Secretary to try and remove people to to third countries. Um, but uh, whether or not they actually are able to be removed to third countries. The idea, at least, is that uh, people will no longer um, get a decision on their asylum claim or receive refugee status in the UK, except for some relatively narrow um, exceptions to that. There are also changes um, to make it harder uh, for people to um, who have uh, been victims of, of modern slavery to uh, use the, the system of, of protections that um, that would uh, that in many cases gives people status in the UK um, if they have been trafficked, for example. Yeah, so bollocks, Madeline. All you have to do is say bollocks. It's not going to do anything because it isn't meant to do anything because migration is not meant to stop. <laughs> Did you not get the memo, love? It's happening and will continue to happen. So they throw next to Shami Chakrabarti, used to be the director of Liberty, remember. Um, if you ever want, if you ever wondered what does permanent bitch face or permanent resting bitch face mean, just Google Shami Chakrabarti and you'll get it right there. You'll understand it forevermore. Bulldog chewing a wasp. Uh, she sits in the House of Lords for Labour, as I said, and is a in a permanent state of woke outrage, Shami Chakrabarti. Well, will we ever stop the boats, Shami? Well, I, the, the, there's no secret in the fact that a large number of us uh, across the party spectrum and crossbench peers are, are very, very concerned about this legislation that UNHCR, so that's the UN body charged with supervising the Refugee Convention, says amounts to an asylum ban in the UK. And given that, um, that, that British governments, um, led by Winston Churchill, uh, a British Conservative Party once prided itself on um, its contribution to the post-war settlement, including the Refugee Convention, the Convention on Human Rights and so on. This is a pretty poor state of affairs. You know, the Dunkirk spirit was about saving people in little boats, not, uh, not, not, not sinking them. So Although those boats were going in the other direction. Well, indeed, well, it, well, indeed but it's, it, 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 it's a pretty tawdry what? reflection on, on, on where, we, where we stand in our politics. So, so I, for example, have an, have an amendment to Clause one of the bill with uh, peers, with a Conservative former minister, Timothy Kirkup. He was an immigration minister uh, under a previous Tory government, uh, a former master of the rolls, uh, Lord Panic, the Lib Dem. We have an amendment that would make the whole legislation have to be read subject to international law. Which would do what to it? Which would mean that the courts would have the ability to, um, to interpret. Yeah, we want the courts to look at every paragraph, at every dotted I and every crossed and determine whether it's compatible with international law. We just want to stop. It's the Shami Chakrabarty who doesn't live in a place that is affected in any way by an influx, a constant influx of migrant workers. Doesn't live anywhere near where she might have to put up with that. The incredibly wealthy millionaire Shami Chakrabarty. It's always the millionaires who don't want to stop the boat so that their rich friends can continue to employ people for buttons at the expense of the indigenous people. Are there any indigenous Brits at all? I don't know. Are there indigenous Brits? What do they look like? What do they look like? I don't know. Anyway, hey, Grace Anne's been in touch. Hi, Grace Anne. As far as Russia is concerned, I think it was a very clever setup, and we may not find out exactly why until much later. Clever, Grace Anne, clever comment. I don't know. Rich says, I met an African beach seller today in Altea, Spain. He told me he's heading to England, as most of his mates have gone there already, says Rich. 
<laughs> and you believe them, Rich. Martin is on to say the Rumble stream. Thank you. Backbeat says, ironic that the small boats paradigm has been reinvented for the modern age. In World War II, it was the British running for our lives at Dunkirk. And now migrants escaping an uncertain fate. Hi to Pietro, who says, um, could the supposed mutiny by Wagner the group, the mercenaries, merely be a re-maneuvering of troops closer to Kiev or Kiev. Again, Pietro, that sounds smart to me. I have no idea. Hi to Alice, who says she enjoyed Fiona Price last week, has uh, bought the book, reading it. It's excellent. Uh, Thank you for that, Alice. That's nice to hear. Faisal has been in touch and says, not being able to stop small boats makes any security against the invasion of the UK laughable. That's a good point too. William says the war theatre is clearly going to be a bigger circus show than the political game 1984. We are in it, says William. Thank you, William. Isabel says, anyone else having an issue creating a Rumble account to log into the video stream? You don't need to have a Rumble account to watch it if you feel like watching it. Rumble.com forward slash The Richie Allen Show, all one word, and it should take you there. Hi to Jilly, who says, rumoured to be a cunning plan, whereby Russia moves troops forward under the distraction of a coup. Some say UK whispered in the ears, and uh, Peryovich then told Putin, who then used it to his advantage, who knows. And by Peryovich, you mean, of course, I couldn't pronounce it either. So I'm not going to try. God is professional. And you don't mean Prigozhin. Prigozhin, you mean, that's what you mean. Prigozhin, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, you see. I don't follow it. You should be following it, Richie. You're a current affairs journalist. Yes, but I, 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 where can I go in the United Kingdom for any genuine, not genuine, but any trustworthy analysis of the situation? I can't. Because the most, the loudest voices on Ukraine in the UK have all worked for Russia today. They've been under contract. And and you'll never understand this. You and me will be arguing until the end of time. Journalism either has integrity or it doesn't have integrity. A lot of people on the left, and I w- would have counted myself to be on the left, would have had a lot of time for George Galloway, not me. I interviewed Galloway as a favour to uh, Gerald Kaufman, who did me a huge favour a few years ago before he died. And Galloway tried to get his uh, seat, didn't he, in um, in Manchester. And I interviewed him. But I don't like Galloway. And nothing Galloway says about Russia can be trusted because Galloway has been paid by the Russian state media, Russia Today. And it doesn't matter if Russia Today is often on the right side of, I don't know, other issues. You just can't claim to be credible when a national broadcaster pays you because it wants a certain point of view it, from you. It wants you to emote or to, to um, put out a certain point of view. You can't trust it. I'm not saying it's wrong, but you can't trust that it. it's tainted. Tainted is the word, Paulie. That's the one, tainted. Let's, uh, it's 20, it's not 20, it's 19 minutes past the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk, the app for the programme, which is available at all app stores. And of course, we're now on Rumble, but you won't hear me mentioning too much about Rumble as the days go on, because I'm not that interested in it, if you don't mind. Anyway, let's um, do something else entirely. I've lost me place now, haven't I? And I've lost me place. And I've lost me place. No, I haven't. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Yeah, this is interesting, right? Kids identifying as animals and some children identifying as mythological creatures, which we've heard quite a bit of in recent days and weeks, right? The so-called culture wars, the, the 
gen- not gender wired, you could say gender wars, right? Lots of coverage today about a child identifying as a goat and all this stuff. We heard about a child identifying as a cat last week. Lots of coverage. Chris McGovern uh, works for the Campaign for Real Education, was on Talk TV opining about this today. Here he is, Chris McGovern. Kevin, in any school, someone's going to be in charge. It helps if it's the teachers, but at the moment, <laughs> two minutes ago, you know, the, the, children are, the children are in charge. And it's, this hasn't come out of the blue, by the way. You know, it's been in the news recently, but... Um, We've had an emphasis on what we call child-centred education for several decades, and now it's gone so far that we're pandering to silliness. But it has a much more sinister side than this, because identifying as a mushroom isn't actually necessarily over-dangerous for society. But a few years ago, I pointed out to the national press, in the wake of the bombings in the ISIS bombers in Paris, there was a, there was a, and somebody, this has not been printed at all yet uh, in this current debate, there was a, a model lesson on the Times Educational Supplement, and that's the most widely read journal for teachers, and it asked children to identify as ISIS terrorists, and to see the good points of being an ISIS terrorist, such as you're having white slave girls. Let's uh, go back about 15, 20 seconds there. I tried to verify this today, it wasn't easy. Let's have a little listen. Let's see. They asked children to identify as... Yeah, but where though? Where, 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 where? In this current debate, there was a model lesson on the Times Educational Supplement. and that- The Times Educational Supplement, there was a model lesson, right, for prospective teachers or existing teachers, a model lesson on the Times now. This is the Times, the newspaper of record here in the UK. I couldn't verify this today. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but uh, maybe I should ask BBC Verify. Maybe I should get Mariana Spring on the case. She'll find out. But I couldn't verify um, if this is real. That's the most widely read journal for teachers. And it asked children to identify as ISIS terrorists and to see the good points of being an ISIS terrorist. The good points of being an ISIS terrorist. You get to be head loads of people. Such as you're having white slave girls and to look at it from their point of view. And that's you get to hang out with Shamima Begum. It's been going on for a while in school. So on the one hand, we can say identifying as a fox or a mushroom is just silly. But when you start saying also, and you're putting this on the major website, identify as a terrorist, you're in real deep water. So yes, the teachers need to be in charge. And if they're not going to be in charge, someone will always be in charge. And it's the mushrooms at the moment. Yeah, I, I don't know how young the children were. The model lesson was probably a gag model lesson, ask a child to identify as an ISIS terrorist. It's the sort of thing when you get much older, when you, not much older, when you get into your mid to late teens and you're in debating school, debating classes, and you might be in a debating team or on a debating team, they'll ask you to, a, to, to take a farcical position. Like, you know, I want you to, to make an argument that being a member of ISIS is a good thing. Make an argument. <laughs> Yeah, you get you, you get to drive around lovely big brand spanking new yellow Toyota pickups. That's what I would start off with. You get all these sexy new guns, even though I don't like guns. We'll just leave that one there. 23 minutes past the hour. Um, what else? I mean, the future king, the Prince of Wales, has been in the news because he's pledged to to at least try anyway to eradicate homelessness in the UK within the next five years. I believe, off the top of my head, some 300,000 people are either sleeping rough at the moment or what they call sofa surfing, which is where they're falling on, you know, the, 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 the good grace of friends and family who are looking after them. 300,000 is outrageous. You are a failed state when you have people in this country with all the wealth 
accumulated in this country. When you have people who don't have a place to go at the end of the day, it is a failure of state, isn't it? I would argue. You might argue differently. Get in touch with me and argue the toss with me. Hi to Paulie. Hi, Paulie. I have a great tan. The weather here has been absolutely fantastic. And I get out quite a bit in it because I run and run and run. Think Forrest Gump without the beard. I get to one end of the city and just for the hell of it, I turn around and I run all the way back east again. I do that every day. Mark says Galloway hasn't been paid by RT for nearly two years, Richie. His shows are self-funded. You want to get uh, good journalism, go to the tree, don't go to the barrel, Mark. It doesn't matter whether he's currently in the employ of RT. He has worked for them and was well paid to say what they wanted him to say. Remember, and this is true, and I can prove it, and I did prove it, Russia Today were all over Hayden Hewitt and myself about eight years ago when I was doing a TV gig with Hayden in North Manchester. It was fun, right? We used to do an hourly show once a week where we would take the piss out of everything. And it was a bit of a giggle, but it was really well produced by Hayden. Uh, Like my mate Paul, he's a bit of a genius, right? So anyway... Uh, RT reached out and said, we'd like to pick up that show. We'll get you the branding. We'll get all the branding up to your studio in Manchester. We'll speak to your agents. I don't have an agent. I never had, never will have. And we'll come to some agreement. And then they went very cold all of a sudden. And the reason they went cold was because I started telling the truth about Vladimir Putin on the radio show about how much of a gangster he is and about how he funneled and stifled hundreds of millions of pounds during the Sochi Olympics for his gangster friends. All of a sudden, the phone went very quiet. Do you hear from RT, Hayden? No, no. That's what it is. They hire you because of what you say because it suits them. And then they're paying you to say it. And then you continue to say it because they're paying you to say it. You can't be honest. You can't be objective because they're paying you. You see? Okay. That's just my opinion. Well, it's not my opinion. It's a fact. Bill says Galloway was also pushing Russia's COVID vaccine when he was on RT News. George Galloway is a world-class whoremaster. You give Galloway enough money and he'll say anything. 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 And to be fair, it might be unfair to be picking on Galloway because he's not on his own. You know, there are lots of them in the truth or industrial complex. You know, give him enough money, he'll say what you want. Of course, he would dispute that and he isn't here to argue on on his behalf. So I have to say that is just my opinion. Don't take it as fact. But that is my experience of George Galloway. George Galloway looks after George Galloway. That's pretty much what he's always done. Maybe I'm jealous of that, maybe. That could be it. I could be jealous of it. Yes, this is a real tan. I'm looking at myself now. It's beautiful. Right, leave that one alone. 27 minutes past the hour. I was going to talk about the future King of England, who will be hoping that his father doesn't have the longevity of his grandmother. Ironically, that's what he'll be thinking, right? The sooner jug ears fucks off and dies, the better it is for me. Even though he wouldn't admit it out loud. I swore there, didn't I? I apologise. Tim says, Richie, it's going to be tough to get a handle on homelessness when you're importing close to 100,000 indigents a year by boat. Yes, yes, many of whom will be homeless, of course, themselves. You know, this, this particular issue of gaslighting populations, it's happening in Ireland, it's happening here. You gaslight them by tell, telling them that you plan 
to, to get rid of the people who shouldn't be here. People who come from safe countries. Because let me be clear where I am on immigration as an old socialist, right? Every country in the world has a responsibility to look after people who are genuinely fleeing oppression. Now, ironically, a lot of the oppression that they might be fleeing from is generated by bastard politicians in this country and the military-industrial complex. Ironically, right? But if you leave that to one side, every society has a moral obligation to say, right, you're, we, you can't go back there because they'll kill you. You've proven that to us, so we'll take you in. But what you do have a responsibility to do is, is, is turn off and on the economic migrant tap when you need it. So when you need it, when you genuinely cannot fill jobs with the people of your country, and it's not just because you want to bring in cheaper labour, but when you really genuinely have a shortage, and it's not because the jobs are poorly paid, when you have a shortage, you, you, you allow in on two-year, three-year, four-year visas, um, workers, right? But when you don't have any room for them, you do everything, or you should do everything in your power to stop migrant workers coming into the country because of the impact it's having on the workers who already live here and have lived here all their lives, who can't get a doctor, who can't get their kids into a good school and all the rest of that malarkey. 29 minutes past the year. Mariam Hanane will be live on the Richie Allen Show in around about three minutes' time. I can't wait for you to meet her if it is, in fact, the first time you will have heard her. She's a brilliant lady. It's uh, the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live from BBG Towers here in Salford with me, Richie Allen, on multiple platforms. There's an app for the programme downloaded. It's on richieallen.co.uk. Fab Radio 2 in Manchester at fabradiointernational.com. And now we're streaming on Rumble. On Rumble. How are you? You well? This is Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan and, and Rufus. Rufus and Chaka Khan on the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live 24 hours a day on richieallen.co.uk. If you missed the programme, any programme at all, it's around the clock on richieallen.co.uk and Fab Radio 2 at fabradiointernational.com. My guest, it's been a long time since we've had her on the programme. She's an investigative journalist and founder and editor-in-chief of the health magazine and marketplace Honey Colony. But we first spoke years ago about the award-winning, internationally acclaimed documentary A Vanishing of the Bees, a fantastic film, you'll remember it. What a film, it's as relevant today as it was back then when it came out. Um, she's written some books recently, one about the jabs and about offsetting the problems with the jabs, which we'll talk about, but also a book called George Floyd, a multi-layered layered even psyop examined. Let's welcome back to the programme, live from Florida, our pal Mariam Henain. How are you doing, Mariam? Richie, I'm so happy to be speaking with you again. It's been a while. It's been ages. I reckon it's about 18 months because you've, okay. you've, you've had so much going on. Yes, yes, I sure have. And tell I, us, I have. Tell us at the moment you're laid up with an injury, is that right? Yes, in an epic dance move, I uh, unfortunately <laughs> tore my meniscus in an area where uh, it doesn't get a lot of blood flow, and now I'm investigating the uh, the billion-dollar knee industry because the go-to is to remove the entire meniscus, which is the cushioning that absorbs your the weight of your feet so 
they line you up for a lifetime of osteoarthritis um, by wanting to remove the entire cartilage, which is not happening in my case. So I'm I'm doing these uh, PRP treatments, which are plate-rich rich plasma, taking my own blood and um, invoking essentially a inflammatory response to bring blood flow to the area. And, and I'll need to do a couple of those. But yeah, I'm off my leg and uh, having to be very still, which is difficult for me. An epic dance move is far more exciting than you had a couple of Cuba Libres and just fell down the stairs. So I'll give you that, right? That's the first thing. Second thing is, isn't it amazing? Their, their answer is to just take out the meniscus. That's kind of, that's mad really, isn't it? I know a little bit about the knee because I've had knee issues myself. So yeah, I think you're right not to, to go straight down the, right. let's remove it. Yeah. Right. Well, I've learned like I had fibroids years ago removed and I did a deep dive and, and wrote about it and learned that they remove 880,000 uteruses annually out of those uh, removals. Maybe 88 percent are not necessary, but they get 40,000 a pop per uterus. So when I read the things about the knee, it's very grim just painting the possibility that you have no choice and and I have to um, counteract all that negativity and and believe in the power of healing uh, but again it's it's quite uh, expensive to pay out of pocket the the truth is Western medicine doesn't cover anything preventative, right? It's all about sick care and hopefully three years into the Rona regime, uh, people are are waking up to the importance of uh, prevention and nutrition. Do you, you go, go back to what you said about the uterus? So, yeah. if a doctor persuades a a lady to the best thing for her is to remove her uterus, yes. Who who where does who pays the forty grand for the uterus? Is it medical schools, universities? Who 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 is it? Big pharma. Well, I, I would assume this is an insurance uh, game. I mean, I even know one woman, she calls it surgical rape. She told them not to remove her uterus. And when she woke up, it was missing and then everything prolapses. But even women gynecologists are proponents of, of this instead of like, oh, you're not going to have a baby. You don't need your uterus anymore. Let's just remove it. It's castration. That's insane, isn't it? The things that you don't know. Mariam right. Hanain is our guest. You talked there a second ago because we'll come to um, your your recent book on on the jabs. So it's yeah. been so long since we spoke. I think yes. there's a general understanding that the jabs have done have caused widespread harm. Now I'm going to say because I think it's the journalistic thing to say. I really don't know just how bad. It is globally in terms of the damage. But if I was to make a guess, I would say it's horrendous. You know, a lot of death, yeah. a lot of villainous. I've had some really interesting people on this program in the last um, few months, you know, scientists and researchers who worked with the mRNA technology, um, mm. Christy Grace being one and, and others. And, and, and they're saying, yeah, a lot of villainous that we see in society now, maybe maybe a lot of it we can put it down to 
we can actually put it down to uh, the jabs. What's your take on it now? When when did they begin the jab rollout? It was in December 2020, January 2021. So we're like two and a half years into the jabs. What do we know now that we didn't know then, Marianne? Wow. Well, I think that we're every day learning more about the damage of the spike protein, the way it proliferates, the damages of the mRNA. I'll say that I personally have interviewed hundreds of uh, injured people. I partake in Twitter spaces. I just interviewed Jennifer Sharp, who's the director of the film Anecdotals, and that is covering vaccine injuries. I've been saying even before, we've seen the stats that this there is a silent blatant culling because of the gaslighting just like we didn't acknowledge that the ventilators and for instance remdesivir were the real causes of death they just sign it off as covid and and take their money i believe it's the same thing um, that all the vaccines in history don't amount to the damages that we're seeing with this particular gene therapy vaccine now it's very interesting watching the co-option of narratives, whether it's the COVID origins narrative or downplaying the injuries here, gaslighting. Like I, I know someone, an ex-boyfriend that has never, he's European, was grown up in a theosophy, Rudolf Steiner home, never took a vaccine. So therefore he has a robust immune system. He took the one and done non-mRNA shot by Johnson and Johnson that was actually taken off of EUA and is perfectly fine and then says that it tells me it's like a peanut and that the peanut is not inherently bad. Well, is it because his immune system is robust? Is it because um, he got a saline shot? I, I Many of us now believe that there were saline given out and it's called the advocate method where you get a shot, nothing happens to you and you're pretty much advocating for big pharma and gaslighting your brothers and sisters. But I myself have never spoken to so many injured people and, and I've been covering vaccine safety since 2012. So I, I don't know. I, I'm watching people speak about, I call them tries, truth mixed with lies. And again, you could see it with the COVID origin story. I've been paying really close attention. And uh, they'll say now they're inching it way. It's like the Overton window. First, it was a wet market. Then we didn't, we don't know. Now there's a possibility that it was a lab, but they're saying it's an accident, but it's definitely not a bioweapon. And I beg to differ. I, I believe that it's a bioweapon. And that Anthony Fauci was involved in the gain of function research yes. in China. We might come back. No, we will. We've we plenty of time, so we might come back to that. Yeah. Mariam okay. and Ian is our guest. There's so much there that we can um, we can take apart. I know three people who have been injured mm. by uh, the jab, mildly and seriously. Um, my better half's mum had a heart yeah. problem after her second jab. And yeah. um, she's a lady um, with a certain political kind of understanding of the world, a certain understanding of the world. She'd be aware. She's a marvellous lady, my, you know, mother-in-law, but yes. wouldn't listen, you know, wouldn't listen to French versions of, of shows like yours and programmes like this. She went and had a third jab, Marianne. Oh, 
Wow. Yeah, wow. and yeah, I know. I don't ask me, right? So then there, there's there's a lady we know that we meet who's had um, a very serious. She had um, oh god, um, cytopenia. I I I I I know what it's, I know I know what it's called, but I can't think of it now. Her doctor has admitted it was the jab that called it caused it. Wow. So oh yeah, oh. the doctor said it, it's got to be uh, the jab, and yet um, I want to play you something. Um, okay. It's very short. It's Carl Sakura. He's a fairly well-known oncologist. He used to work for the World Health Organization. Now, he's considered to be one of the semi-decent guys because he speaks to the conservative media and he was against lockdown, but he's pro-vaccine. He was speaking to GB News today. These are not long clips, Mariam. Have a listen to this and tell okay. me what you think. So this guy, Sakura is talking about illness in the community. And if I just do... This will be able to hear him speaking today to GB News. Both have really hit it hard. So the backlog means it's still not clear. And just to give you some more context, he's talking about the fact that there are massive waiting lists, huge queues for people to have elective surgery and exploratory procedures on the National Health Service in the UK because the National Health Service gave up everything else put it all to one side and just focused on COVID. And now there are there are millions of people on waiting lists and th this will be fatal for people. So listen to him describe this. And I've been urging the, uh, the Department of Health to have a proper programme to try and clear the black lock, get places open at night and at weekends, get volunteers in, just like the vaccine programme yeah. for COVID. Fantastic. Everyone pulled in, got it done. We could do the same for cancer diagnosis. The biggest problem in, 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 in the backlog is the delay that's now ensuing for many people. They need to be treated quicker. The capacity is there to treat them, just getting them through the whole diagnostic phase that seems to be lacking. And is that one of the reasons why we've had so many excess deaths in 2023, Carol? Is it just the backlog of people who've been caught in this system post-COVID where everything was, well, COVID was prioritised over everything else? Right. It, it, it is to do with that. We, at the moment, we don't really understand the, the excess deaths. They're there. They're probably mainly cardiac deaths at the moment, heart deaths, because... We don't really understand the excess deaths. They're there. And then he said they're mainly cardiac deaths, right? Heart attack patients couldn't be treated, so the heart's been weakened by the damage caused by lack of oxygen when the, the coronary blood vessel gets blocked. But could it be anything else? The cancer excess deaths will come later in the next year or two because people at the beginning of the pandemic just couldn't get seen. They couldn't get a scan. They couldn't start treatment. There was no diagnosis. So, Sound quality terrible there. That's not me. That's GB News production team. It's terrible. I couldn't do anything with it. Mariam, that's really, really interesting there. He acknowledges that there is sickness in the community. We don't know where the excess deaths are coming from, he says, but he says there's a lot of cardiac issues. And he goes on to say, especially in the young. But surely the vaccine rollout has got to be playing some part in that. Right. So to me, when I hear that, in a way, he's trying to justify the backlogs so, oh, the people were waiting now, conveniently, they're going to start dying now that they can do elective surgeries. We know about the uh, sudden death myocarditis and the turbo cancers. It's, it reminds me of, you know, John Campbell, Dr. John Campbell, who's on still on YouTube, um, watching him for months and months talk about excessive deaths, like, huh, I wonder what it could be. And then finally, finally coming out 
and acknowledging that it's from the vaccines, but still playing it safe though, so he could stay, remain on YouTube. But he's been covering excessive excess deaths all over, whether not only in the UK, but also in Canada, in the United States. We know the stories of the insurance companies who've remarked on the increases in deaths. Like it's uh, undeniable. And my mom is vaccine injured. My uh, stepdad, I, I never knew before that he had scoliosis and now he's falling. Um, he has had a heart condition before the, the vaccine. They kept it from me that my 14-year-old niece um, had myocarditis. And then when I told my mom, well, it's from the vaccine. And she's like, but maybe it's, it's only mild, you know, just a little mild inflammation of the heart at 14 years old, just the, the justification and the gaslighting. I didn't tell you either, Richie, that my dad worked for Pfizer. He forbid me from speaking about um, coronavirus and has since blocked me. Um, my uncle, I tried to warn, this is in 2020. I, in 2020, I was telling him, don't put him on a ventilator. Don't put him on remdesivir. And my father flat out said, I don't care what you have to say. And two days later, my uncle was dead. So, you know, us being able to share, oh, I know this person, I know this person, far outweighs, in my opinion, the number of people that I knew had uh, coronavirus. Um, and I believe that on one hand, a lot of people got the flu because the flu disappeared from the face of the earth for a year and on another instance there's some unnatural uh, bioweapon if if i know people who had quote unquote coronavirus that have long haul now so and we now hear stories of shedding as well and asymptomatic spread which was deborah burks's wet dream that's and and see that that's a whole can of worms there, yes, and and yes. I'm 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 wide open to this being a possibility. The problem is proving this is so difficult. Even though we know because it's um it's out there in the public, the press that have reported on it that self-spreading vaccines are in production. Excuse me, they're in development, meaning that in the future, that's their get around those of us who say no. You know, their get round is that, that, that is, but I want to take you back to something because I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't. Um, yes. we, we, we also do have to acknowledge, Mariam, I think that, yes, a lot of people with cancers and a lot of people who have heart problems, we've got to yeah. accept that some of them will be down to the fact that the health service became a COVID only service. So it won't be exclusively vaccine injuries in people with cancers. Like I, I, I've seen it in my own friend, my own friendship group where people have died because they weren't given an exploratory procedure or a scan or something because they were basically told, no, we can't do any of that now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So a lot, some, some people, a great number of people, it will be down to the delay rather than the jab. We've got to be fair, I think, and say that. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, I, it reminds me of the bees that it's death by it was death by a thousand cuts with the bees and it's difficult to say oh it's the neonicotinoids um, when they're being trucked around they're 
they're uh, eating uh, GMO corn syrup. So it's the same thing here. We're leading le leading such unhealthy lives. I, I was thinking the name Comirnaty is kind of like a play on comorbidity. And because of the comorbidities, it's very difficult. People do not deal in specifics. We're living in an age of mediocrity. And I say, bring me the dossier, and I'll tell you what they died from of um, when we're just signing off and not we're not being specific anymore. So absolutely, there's going to be deaths because people um, had to wait for their for their surgeries. But overall, we're a sick society. We're not healthy. I don't know how it is where where you reside, but in America, going you know I'm in Miami, go to the beach, and if you see a picture of of um, people in the 70s, people were slim, people were not. Now it's like become normal to be morbidly, disgustingly obese, and then oh I'm fat shaming because. I'm angry at the fact that we're normalizing pathologies across the board. Yeah, I, I do. This morning I was in a, a supermarket in Salford, a large one, and I feel guilty for doing it, but I do look into people's carts, as you would say over there. <laughs> we, we, we say trolleys here, but I yeah. do have a look in and I'm fairly stunned at yeah. the choices that people make, you know. And then yeah. others will say, well, look, the really awful stuff is cheap and cheerful and in a cost of living crisis. And we've been in a cost of living crisis for decades now. I don't know what they're saying about the last three years, but people do tend to buy cheap, heavily processed stuff, don't they? And I'm 50-50 on that. Like, I hear what you're saying and I want to jump on them and tell them to grow up and to wake up and do something for yourself. But... They're just surrounded by crap, really. Right. Especially right. in cities. And they're yeah. not educated. They're not yeah. educated. I vacillate between uh, being angry and having compassion. And the truth is also in the past three years, all I would say the food has taken a dive and it's designed that way. Um, for instance, look at the appeal coding, the Bill funded, Bill Gates funded coding, which will also include organic food. So no food is uh, safe from these trans fats laced with heavy metals that are going to seep into the fruit that you can't wash off, that you can't scrub off. Also, even supplements, if people look at the back of the supplements, I've noticed formulas, companies that I used to buy from have now added magnesium stearate, titanium dioxide. It's all about the slow kill. It's all about accumulating inside the body and synergizing. And people are not, not only not eating uh, food for their temple and, and sacred real food, but they're not detoxing. And that is a, a big component into vitality, removing these things from the body. So someone might say, you know, I don't eat a lot of gluten. But then my answer is, yeah, but you not be, you've not been eating a lot of gluten for 45 years. Like, it adds up. So personally, I, as a self-admitted food Nazi, uh, don't cheat. I, I don't find – I'm only cheating myself. That's me. I understand that 99.9% .9 of people, plus addiction to sugar, 
Um, so there's a lot of cofactors that are exacerbating, you know, if there is someone who's injured and, uh, Despite all our modern advances, we in America are the sickest society on the planet. We're not too far behind you. Mariam Hanane is an investigative journalist, author, founder and editor-in-chief of Honey Colony, a health magazine. She's a functional medicine consultant and coach. She directed the legendary documentary film Vanishing of the Bees. You'll find her at mariamhenane.com. And I do want to spend more than a few <laughs> minutes talking about George Floyd, but we've got to mention... You've yeah. put together a guide, a collection of yeah. protocols called yeah. How to Detox from the COVID-19 Vax. Tell us about that. Yes, people can find that on mariamhinane.com. I'd like to tell your audience that I, I'm not allowed on Amazon. My ebooks are, but not me. And so I published this on, um, it's called Smashwords. And not only did they delete my ebook, but all my other ebooks and my profile of six years. So basically, vaporizing me a la 1984, so that I it doesn't seem that I even exist. So you, pe- you people can find it on mariamhinane.com, and I was commissioned to put these protocols together. Now, you should be working with a functional medicine coach and consultant or practitioner because every human being is different. But And I wrote this uh, about a year and a half ago, but just published it. And I also have a 80-page uh, ebook on understanding the mechanisms of the quote-unquote vaccine. And the person who commissioned me said, you know, why – I didn't ask you to write this. But I said, I, I can't put forth solutions if I myself don't understand the problem. So it's a collection of protocols – um, I, I preface that arguably a lot of these things you should be doing regardless of whether you've taken a vaccine or not. Um, but it's to help. It's to help people. They accused me of causing injury, even though my protocols is to help people that are injured. They smash words said that I'm causing injury. It, it's uh, you know it's one thing to be censored. It's another thing when they come after your livelihood. And they disable your ability to take money uh, to to partake in this sick society that we found ourselves in. So my hope is to help. I think anyone can improve their situation. And uh, first, you have to understand the damage that was done to you. So I, I work with a lot of different tests and different doctors, depending on where the person lives on this planet. But. Hopefully, unfortunately, Richie, as human species, we learn through physical tragedy. And uh, hopefully it's not in vain. If someone is injured out there, what can they learn? If nothing else, not to trust the government. The government doesn't have your best interest in mind. And once you learn, thanks to the bees, that the food supply is adulterated, if they're poisoning our food, why on earth? Would you trust what is in a vaccine when most of these people who've taken the vaccine cannot even tell me the ingredients? 
I'm going to spell your name now with your mad name over there, Mariam. It's Mariam, M-A-R-Y-A-M, H-E-N-E-I-N. It's a lovely name, by the way. Um, it's, it's not plain old John Smith or Richie Allen, is it? It's Mariam Henain, H-E-N-E-I-N. Love listening to Mariam. She's staying with us, right? But I'm going to have a little breather. We're going to have a little drink of water for two minutes and two minutes only. <laughs> And when we come back, we're going to talk about George Floyd. Now, Marianne made a fantastic documentary about George Floyd. She's been on this story since day one. The incident that sparked or that launched Black Lives Matter. Why is it so important? Why does Marianne believe it's a psyop? Um, you grab yourself a cup of um, tea, Marianne, or some water. Two and a half minutes, we'll be, b- we'll be back for more. You're, you're staying with me. Yes, thank you. Fantastic. And it's mariamhenane.com. This is The Richie Allen Show, Monday the 26th of June 2023. I'm the BBG. This is Danny Wilson. Everything is one Danny Wilson and Mary's Prayer on Monday's Richie Allen Radio Show with me, Richie Allen, your BBG. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Now, Mariam is standing by just before we welcome her back into the room. Val has been in touch to say, Richie, I contracted narcolepsy and cataplexy from Pandemrix the swine flu jab, and I have successfully sued over it after a long, protracted and dirty legal battle. Uh, The people in my sphere have informed me that there are those badly injured by the COVID jab that will probably never be able to take proper legal action. This was all buttoned up after they learned after they learned from the pandemic scandal, they learned how to cover their backsides, says Val. Thank you, Val. Uh, hi to Boz. Thanks for your kind words, Boz. Listening via the app, the Richie Allen Show app. I appreciate that. Uh, hi to Caroline and Mike. Hi to Marty Hopkirk. Hi to Neil. Neil says, I walk through my local one-stop shop and every single food item I see, I can give a reason why it's poisonous. Even the fruit and veg are mutant, hydroponic, chemically sprayed monsters. I really don't know what to do as there's no other options in my area. I end up eating the poison. I'm overweight and feel like crap. I cannot grow enough food in my tiny garden. It's making me depressed. I tell you what, Mariam. Yeah. That's an emotional message from Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an empath and I I feel deep and... uh... You know, my heart goes out to, you know, not having choices and being very grateful to be able to, you know, that I went to Costa Rica um, so that I can just be away from the poisons, to be honest, is the main drive there. And I know not everyone has uh, that that luxury. Um, I don't know if there's no farmer's markets or if there's no, I mean, it's amazing that he has a, a garden. Mm, I I don't know what the no no I'll tell you I'll tell you this Marianne there I've been to a couple by accident a couple of markets recently where farmers are selling produce I'm and and this I don't want to sound in any way like I'm having a go at farmers I'm not I love farmers but I'll tell you this Marianne the prices are shocking yeah shocking the the prices yes the price is shocking the price is 
is obscene. I, I know I, I'm in Miami and to, in order for me to eat organic food, I hope it's organic. Uh, I'm paying through the roof and, and uh, I'm not flush with cash. Um, again, that's why I went to the jungle, the valley where I live there. They they don't uh, spray the Di- Diamante Valley, although Costa Rica has a high high rates of cancer and they, you know, the GMO and the seed oils. Um, but it's the best food that I've eaten in three three years. It has a vibration. The, the, there's farmers there. So it, it's a calamity to be poisoned and to not have the choices. I, I never would have imagined that I would miss the 90s. Imagine that. I never would have imagined that I've missed the 90s. Marianne Hanane is our guest. She's a director, a producer, an author, broadcaster extraordinaire. It's great to have her on the programme. MariamHanane.com is the website. Check her out if, in the unlikely event, this is the first time you've heard about Marianne. Go and check her out. I will, of course, put links on the podcast notes. Not at all, give over. After the live show, I will have all the links. Now, why? And I know it is important. I know it's important. But you explain to our listeners now, you've got a new book out and it is about the George Floyd PSYOP. In fact, it's called George Floyd, a multi-layered PSYOP examined. Again, go to mariamhenane.com. You will have seen her documentary on this because it was on YouTube. It has been on BitChute. You will have seen it through her website. Brilliantly put together documentary. Can you explain it? Treat me as if I never heard of the George Floyd. No, no, don't treat me like that. So I know that George Floyd died, right? And I know that Derek, whatever his name was, the cop, kneeled on his neck. And now I'm not saying this is true, but this is what I know, right? So Derek Chavin kneeled, knelt on his neck and he 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 suffocated to death and it's classic example of brutal cops beating up and murdering black people in the United States. So that's my knowledge. Yes. What's really going on yes. with George Floyd? So I, I just want to clarify that unfortunately my book is not done. People can get pre-order. I am finishing up the last two chapters. It's been three years, but because of a lot of interruptions, um, I, I, I really look forward to finishing up. I did not choose to spend three years of my life yeah. investigating, but the movie is out, The Real Timeline. So this event was used to usher in a color revolution. This event was used to go from virus to violence overnight, to cause um, fabricated race war, all the while not really addressing real cases of police brutality or real cases of racism. I'll, I'll segue to just say in my book, I talk about philosopher Rene Girard, who talks about the scapegoat mechanism. He, he, he covers um, the mimetic theory. And so by kind of infusing in one person, in this case, both Derek and um, George, somehow making things right when that's not the case at all. I dedicate this film to Maurice Lester Hall, who was with George. He's in my movie and shows the the hypocrisy that only some black lives matter. So the importance of this when we were fooled and when it brought, you know, 3,000 bills, pieces of legislation have been tweaked. 
Sorry? Was it really 3,000 in the wake yes. of George Floyd? Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, the duty to intervene, for instance, but def- definitely policing um, legislation and the way we police in this country has changed. And you can listen. And in my movie, I, I feature Myron Fagan, who was a Hollywood playwright who wrote about the Illuminati. But they say that they use the race card, that that is a way you you instill um, into the black races that, that they have been oppressed by the white man and you also instill guilt into the white man, which we see um, whiteness became a bad thing. And this is, this is all a play, part of a playbook. Can I ask you a question on that very, very quickly? Um, before I shut up and get out of your way again, you will know Paul Craig Roberts, the former U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Treasury. And uh, he's a good guy, Paul. He comes on this program regularly. He's very, very intelligent, right? Now, he would see a lot of things very similarly to you. He, he argued with me because we talked about this, um, the George Floyd thing. And I said, but Paul, there was a time in your history, in the history of your country, when black people were treated very, very badly were not only treated as second-class citizens, but were used as slaves. And even after slavery was abolished, you know, we had lynchings in the South. And Paul said to me, I was wrong. Now, he's a very intelligent man. He said, really? you're wrong. He said, yeah. He said, much, much or most of that has been exaggerated, he said. Where do you stand on that? On the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s. There were places down South where black people would, 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 would fear to tread as far as I understand, Marianne, what, what, what yeah. say you? Well, I wouldn't be able to, I haven't studied the, the history, but I can tell you that I, I was at J6 and uh, I watched what they did with the Rona and I've watched what they've done with the George Floyd. And so I am witnessing the rewriting of history. I'm witnessing them doing that now with the origin story um, so when you take part in a live action role play or when you take part in something that has been co-opted and rewritten like the deadly insurrection, I, I don't, I can just say it's probably, um, embellished or I don't know, exaggerated or wrong, or, um, there are real cases of police brutality. There are real cases of racism and it goes both ways. I, I'm not white, but I, I felt um, racism from black people toward toward me. Um, and uh, so it does happen, but not in the way that they want you to think. I'm not dismissing or diminishing racism. Let's say with Maurice, who again was with George Floyd that day, he has been a, a victim from his perspective of racism. He doesn't see that now... <laughs> There's no borders. We're all lab rats. Um, there's no justice unless you have money, really. It's very far and few between. But from his perspective, people have blind spots. And I I was um, sitting on the Zoom call because that's how we conduct just us these days. And the judge didn't give him any allowances. She didn't care about his black life. She didn't care that he cleaned himself up from drugs or wanted to give him a a second chance. So I was sitting in uh, along with 
his mom, Maurice's mom and friends. And at the end, I unmuted myself and I said, you are all a bunch of hypocrites. You made excuses for George Floyd's um, addicted career criminal existence. But how about this man, black man's life? And they shut down the entire Zoom call because of me. It just aborted prematurely and shut down. And so from his perspective, he, he doesn't know in his awakening how deep the rabbit hole goes. But because of George Floyd, I have read Tavistock. And people can go to MiriamHinane.com. There's a book by John Coleman that Richie was $5,000 on, on Amazon. I think they brought it down to $500. So I found the PDF and I offer it as little as $5. And once you learn about the long directional game and the House of Lords and the beginnings. Tavistock is kind of like the global brainwashing hub of all yeah. brainwashing hubs. Thank you for saying and, that, because for listeners yes. who don't understand Tavistock, yes, yeah. it is a it is a behavior changing organization that was set up to manipulate populations, not just the population of this country in right. to, to behave the the way in ways which which the elites wanted them to behave it's brilliant people should google it or get on to mariam henane and pick up a copy of it there that's that's really good so can i just ask you a couple of quick questions yes. quick fire yes. questions right um so for people who haven't yet seen your brilliantly it is a brilliantly produced film right whatever anybody thinks about the conclusions it's brilliant right yeah. um and i'm open-minded i think you make a brilliant argument in the film tell yes. me tell me this um so so george floyd yeah, checkered past, bit of a bit of a rough boy, really not you know not the greatest guy in the world. Maybe at times let himself down. At one time he had a knife to a woman's throat. Um, that's not nice. No, no, no. It was a gun to the. A gun to was her. it? A gun, not a knife. So, knife. so did he die in the way it appeared he died? Did he die because Chauvin compressed his neck? As far as you understand. Now I know your responses to these questions, but for listeners who haven't no. seen the film. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say the real timeline, the film, is uh, I purchased all the footage of all the body-worn cameras, all the, the, all the cameras involved from the government, and I put it in chronological order. It, it is a literal timeline. It's very matter-of-fact, aside from my um, narration. And people ask me all the time, is George really dead? Well, I purchased autopsy images, um, a couple that are in the movie. And I do believe that whether it was a, an operation that went really wrong or right, depending on who you ask, I, I do believe that he's dead. And um, you can see in the film um, an extended what happened in the ambulance. A lot of footage you have to ask, why did the media act in lockstep um, and why did they leave so much on the cutting room floor when we live in a surveillance nanny state more in, increasingly and they had all this footage at, at their fingertips? So why? Why? It's a brilliant and question. why are they working with the government? It's a brilliant question. A lot of our listeners will know, some of our listeners won't know, is that after yeah. Flight 77 allegedly flew into the Pentagon, um, yeah. only only a few feet above the ground while shearing down lampposts, 
which it didn't really. But just after that, um, National Security Agency agents, FBI agents and CIA agents went to every building within a couple of miles of the Pentagon to to confiscate their CCTV videotapes, didn't they? Yeah. 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 And, and this yeah. happened around George Floyd too, didn't it? Everybody had yes. to give up their tapes. Yeah. Yes, actually, in Cup Foods, I asked, um, I befriended one of the four Palestinian um, Palestinian owners of Cup Foods, and I said, "So, you you gave them footage?" and and he said they they took a month's worth of footage, and that there were a lot of different angles in the store, and so they took it they took it all. Uh, so, and all, if you recall, they sat on the body worn footage. Till August, Keith Ellison, the corrupt attorney general, and then it was, quote unquote, leaked to the Daily Mail, the Daily Mail that does have connections to Tavistock. It does have connections to Tavistock. And ultimately, let me give a plug again. It isn't completed yet. I expect my complimentary copy as soon as it's done for me to have a read of it so we can talk about it again. Um, Mariam's book, um, which she's in the middle of writing at the moment, George Floyd. Go to mariamhenane.com. George Floyd, a multi-layered psyop examined. So, so this is used then to start, this is divide and conquer, but on steroids, is it? To, to start a race war basically, or to to help to foment a race war. To, yes, yeah. and, and also recall all the destruction outweighing the uh, Rodney King um, protests slash riots. So there was a lot of destruction, toppling of statues, which is, again, rewriting history and... Uh, instilling these social justice warriors um, with all this fakeness, all this virtue signaling and really targeting human compassion and picking at a collective wound and and busting it open with the false notion that anything was remedied when homicide and, and, you know, there were 12 people that died in the wake of uh, the protests slash riots. Is that okay? Is it okay to kill in the name of, of, and why did they turn George Perry Floyd literally into a a modern messiah where he was projected into the sky and likened to Jesus Christ? That is nuts. It it still goes on. I I heard him receive a mention. He was was mentioned over the weekend. um, Baseball has arrived in the UK. um, The Cubs have been playing the Cardinals in their um, every every year. Some MLB games are played in London. I didn't realize this, but um, it was it was covered by BT Sports. And yeah, his name was given a mention. I don't know why they brought um, Black Lives Matter into this, the discussion, but he was given an honorable mention. And you make a great point in the wake of and of course the media stoked this relentlessly and remorselessly. And then you had 12 people, as you said, as that died. Do you remember some of the crazy things that white people started doing? Do you remember yes. white people kissing the feet of black people and apologizing to them? For what? I could never understand. And I asked, I interviewed a guy about this, a guy who was um, racially abused when he served as a police officer. And he didn't like it because I said, I don't believe we are a racist society. I don't believe that there is endemic racism. You know, you'll find a racist any 
town, any city, but the great majority of people, right. we don't care what somebody looks like. And now you've got the Guardian newspaper, Marianne, saying that it's going to spend a million pounds or more to apologise because 200 years ago, Mariam, one of the Guardian's owners, he had a plantation. Oh, God forgive us all. This is insane stuff, isn't it? I mean, this is beyond insane. Well, weren't they also, I think in San Francisco, giving out reparations that, uh, I don't know the amount the amount of of money that the thing is that it's not really it's not heart based it's not sincere i would even say that the george floyd event was used to get more vaccines into the arms of the number one vaccine hesitant population the black people explain hang on hang on i'm not allowing you away with that my friend explain that how does that work so, oh, look, the government cares about racism. Maybe this vaccine isn't. This is not like the Tuskegee experiment. Why am I finding, and people can look for this on the NIH, actual studies looking to the messaging of Black Lives Matter to incorporate into their campaigns to fight against vaccine hesitancy a condition that doesn't even exist it's my pin tweet on my twitter that i put together a spoof in 2019 long before the rona having covered and know what's coming in the pipeline so i believe that they used this to um bring confidence you saw the entire year in 2020 or, or after um, white doctors, or sorry, black doctors injecting white people. This is very subtle, subtle. Like they hired uh, for the George Floyd event, uh, Michael Batten, who is the Hollywood coroner who did Epstein, who did JFK. And his sidekick was a black um, forensic pathologist. Of course, they never produced any official report. I know. I tried to call. I, I tried to get the report. There was. It was all for show, but it was very. It's very strategic, and so yes, I think that they used the. Remember, no one got. Um, no one. There was. Were there any spikes due to all this mingling overnight when we were under lockdown? We were already reaching a plateau of being fed up of being locked down, and now we had to be locked down because the country was burning. Very good. Very good. I was going to say there's a big hole in your theory about the blacks trusting the government. I was going to say that Trump was in power when the jab was rolled out, but I'm wrong, he wasn't. Because Biden was sworn in in January of 2021 and Biden is as woke as any president you've ever had. So your theory holds um, some water, Mariam. It's a really interesting one. Mariam Hanane is our guest. Um, Culture wars, race wars started by the divide and conquer geniuses that have been doing it for centuries so that they carry on with their great reset 2030 plan to enslave humanity even more and more and more and we end up killing each other over the most trivial of things the great mariam henain is uh, our guest today it's brilliant look at how quickly the time is flying 25 yes. minutes past the hour it's ridiculous <laughs> we should get together more often <laughs> Some Thank of that you, epic Richie. dancing. It's always a pleasure to be here and chat with you. That's brilliant. Uh, I'll go epic dancing with you when that meniscus heals up. <laughs> we'll have a bit of fun. Tell me what, speaking, you, you, you meant RFK Jr., didn't you? That was um, the, the autopsy by the Hollywood doctor, I think. Yes. Yeah, I think you meant Jr. Tell me this, um, speaking of the Kennedys, a lot of yeah. our listeners are very excited about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah. How yes. do you feel about him? 
I've profiled him a year and a half ago. I, I met him um, in person. I was with Google Whistleblower Zach Voorhees in the Bay, and that that profile can be found on my Substack and also on the Tenpenny Report. Um, I am I am pleased that that his. I was just watching him yesterday with Bill Maher on uh, Club Random, and then of course watched his three hour interview with Joe Rogan. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pleased to, to, to hear someone who sounds and hear and sounds very human, real, like a real human being and has the statistics that he whips out in regards to the vaccines. I'm sure nobody's going to debate him. They, you know, we, we see what's happening with Hotez, Hotez that we've people in the vaccine safety, medical freedom, um, community have known about Hotez as a big pharma shill. Of course, he's not going to take any amount of money to debate no. um, RFK Jr. But but RFK has been fighting for the people, for the kids as part of children's health defense. And so I'm pleased. I don't know why he didn't run as an independent. And uh, I, I'm excited to see what happens down the line. I know a lot of people would like to see a Trump RFK uh, ticket, and it, it would be interesting to see if they would even debate. I don't think the vaccine and Operation Warp Speed would ever come to light. And I personally don't think the science shows that any vaccines are safe. I, I, I have something called an immune system. An immune system that if you treat it properly will keep you safe from pretty much everything. Now, now tell us about Trump now because you know more about him than I do. I treat all politicians with disdain and I don't believe right. we will liberate ourselves through the ballot box, but that's just my opinion. What do you believe Trump's official position on the COVID jabs to be, Marianne? Well, I want to say that it's all political theater and that in the end, if I identified more with Trump and don't, I'm not filled with hatred for Orange Man, that in the end, he represented we the people and the Constitution. And I was very turned off by the liberals that I thought it was a Democrat, having lived in California also for 23 years before escaping China Fornia to Florida. Um, I do not know how people can reconcile with his Operation Warp Speed and still taking credit. Uh, I find it confusing, especially when his son is part of the reawakened tour, Eric Trump. There seems to be some cognitive dissonance there. And, um, you know, I think it would go a long way. Um, arguably, Barron... Trump is is vaccine injured. I've collected all his tweets in the past speaking against vaccines. So I, I don't know. It's a little bit uh, puzzling. A little bit puzzling. Let me read a couple of comments that have come in. Um, yes. Our, our guest is the journalist, the documentary filmmaker, the author, Mariam Hinein. Also, your CV is outrageous, to be honest. Your resume is outrageous. She is um, a functional medicine consultant and coach. MariamHenane.com. Wait, I tell you, Backbeat has been in touch via the website and says he finds it hard to fathom 
why people on all sides of the truth and justice argument fail to realise it's not black, not white, not Jew, not Asian, not Latina or any other variant. The bottom line is, it's simple. It's us versus them, the haves versus the have-nots. In short, we're all, and then he says uh, that that derogatory N-word. And he's right, isn't he? He's absolutely right. But yet identity politics, it seems to be, Mariam, their most potent weapon. I believe believe that, again, it's all divide and conquer. We are humans and we should stand together for our liberty. I do believe in medical freedom. And if someone wants to put something inside of them, out of fear or what the government has that's their choice everyone has their karma and dharma and that hopefully people will wake up to the level of the psyops and um while our our liberties are slowly being stripped away and you know this has been in motion right for long long time it's just i think in this transhumanist agenda there's an acceleration because of of agenda 2030 um yeah Tell you what we'll do, we'll um, we'll wrap it up in a couple of minutes. I've got loads of comments to get through and it's been great having you back on. I know you've got work to do on the George Floyd book and much more to do besides mariamhenane.com. Couple of comments on Kennedy from people who don't like him. We like to do a bit of balance here. Jacob was disappointed in RFK when he talked about Israel. It seemed he was very nervous. Um, and it was a car crash interview, a big letdown. He didn't have much to say for the rights of Palestinians. That's Jacob's position. And Chris has no time for the Kennedys at all. He says they're a pro-vaccine lying, and then he swears a bit. The Kennedy family, he says, got away with murder, literally. He must be talking about Ted Kennedy, Marianne. And uh, he believes that RFK is a bit of a grifter, not to put it too uh, mildly. That's Chris, so an alternative take on on RFK. I'll just watch and wait and see. That's all we can do, I think. Watch, wait and see. And then, because we've been let down so many times before by politicians, if he turns out to be just another, you know, grifter, well, it'll be a case of, well, ah, well, big sigh and we'll move on. Do you want to come in on that before... um, before we, uh... I, I could say things about that, but I, I choose to. Um, I choose not to. It, it's, uh, yeah. Let's just let's just wait and see. At least he has the statistics to back up whenever someone brings up this vaccine or that vaccine with the fantasy that any of the vaccines, in my opinion, are worth their salt. Um, so that's just me. And, you know, you said our immune system can handle anything. Well, I don't think our immune system can handle the onslaught of, of toxins that are being, you know, via air, soil, water. Um, and how much of this is about um, nanotech? How much of this is nanotech when there's a now scrubbed study out of uh, Italy in 2017 that looked at all the major vaccines and found heavily it was they were heavily contaminated with nanotech. So as early as 2017, why are they putting this nanotech? What is this really all about? 
I think you said it, transhumanism. I want to wish you Godspeed with the completion of the book. Don't Thank leave you. it so long to come back on. I know you did plenty of travelling and you were all Thank across the world, but um, you're much loved in this parish. So you are. You. And uh, I can't wait to read the book on flight. And for our listeners, um, go to mariamhenane.com. I will put the link in the in the podcast notes and I will tweet Mariam. She's got more Twitter followers than than Donald Trump some of the some of the time. And then and then <laughs> yeah, and, and then, and then they take him away. Taking, <laughs> they started taking followers yeah. away and there's still shadow banning. But I'm happy to be back on Mariam Henane. Please, yes, find me. I love DMs. I love communicating with people and, and uh, I love being on your show, Richie. Thank you. No, thank you, Mariam. God speak to you and I can't wait till we speak again. Mariam Henane live on Monday's Richie Allen Show. The time is 26 minutes to the top of the hour. Absolutely fascinating lady is Mariam. Check her out at the website, as I've already said. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. Uh, music from Seal, crazy on the Richie Allen Show Monday's programme. 20 minutes to the top of the hour. Mariam Henane. I'll put the notes or I'll put the link to the website on the notes. Remarkable lady. If you haven't seen Vanishing of the Bees, it's a wonderful documentary. It's so prescient. It's just wonderful. It's shocking and brilliant. And she's brilliant in it. Um, your woman narrates it. Ellen Page. Who these days goes by the name Elliot Page. Elliot Page, that's right. Narrated it for Mariam back in the day, which is quite the scoop, quite the uh, little coup, you might say. Yeah, so you might say. Listen, thanks for your messages. They are coming in thick and fast. Wiz says, hi Wiz, I find it hard to understand why people find the thought of the royal family taking out Princess Diana ridiculous when throughout history the royal family has taken out multiple members of the family. They still live in their own little royal world with their weird and wondrous royal rituals. Why would it be any different now, says Wiz? Well, you know Tony Gosling, who appears in this parish fairly regularly because I like Tony, I've known him for many, many years, and he has an interesting take on everything, the former BBC journalist. Tony entertained for a little while that the Queen, who died last year, was basically shuffled off. <laughs> I'm not laughing now because I'm laughing at Tony. Everything is possible. You have never heard me on this programme um, in a smug way, never smugly, dismiss any theory. I don't know, right? Maybe. Because Tony pointed, didn't he, that only a couple of days before she died, she seemed to be in rude health. She'd met, I don't know if Boris Johnson turned up or Liz Truss. It must have been Liz Truss. Maybe it wasn't Liz Truss. Was it Liz Truss? Maybe. I can't remember, right? But she, she seemed to be in great health. And Tony pointed out it wouldn't be the first time that a, you know, a sitting monarch was helped along towards the end. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? And DJ says, we're watching on Rumble. Stop picking your nose, Richie. 
It's one thing I don't do. That's that, that was an old litmus test, wasn't it? If you wanted to determine whether somebody was a habitual liar or not, you asked them a question that um, you knew the answer to. Like, do you pick your nose? And of course, the majority of people do. So you'd say no. Or do you look in the loo before flushing it? And, you know, the habitual liar will say, no, I don't. When, in fact, statistically, it's been proven that most people do take a little peek in the loo before flushing it. Why we do that, I don't know. Answers on a postcard, please. Christopher says, when they want us to trust a leader, they give them a handicap. How can you criticise poor Joe? (laughs) Um. There's a guy who does the rounds of the British media called Sebastian Gorka. You know the guy, right? He apparently had a position in the Trump administration, or he's much liked by Conservatives, and he reckons that Biden has had a couple of aneurysms. Now, of course, when he says this on Talk TV, uh, which is garbage, dressed up as journalism, they don't ask him for any proof. Uh, Sebastian, you might be right, like uh, Joe might have had a couple of aneurysms but could you give us some proof that he has you're going to tell me now the proof is in the public domain is it that Joe has had a couple of aneurysms I don't know I live a very sheltered life Ita Philo says he likes the video some of you are so funny about envision I really don't get this it makes me laugh to be honest you know I, I look I'm, I'm look for the first time this evening I'm looking at it now there couldn't be a more boring shot in the in the vast wilderness of the independent media. This is bullshit. You've got a baldy guy in a t-shirt that's too tight for him sitting in front of a microphone. You can't see his face. It's garbage. By uh, Referring to myself in the third person. Um, but look, you, you've asked for it. We did have a two-camera setup. There was another camera over there which would have given a wide shot so you could see the beautiful desk and all of that but the problem is I'm a radio presenter and I can't be arsed with dealing with that it's too much to be doing whilst concentrating on your guest listening to horror and reading comments and all the rest of it I just couldn't be bothered so we bought an expensive camera that is just gathering dust and it would probably sell it no we won't sell it back we'll we'll find some use for it Uh, so we will Michael says Richie I look in the loo to see if it's King Kong's finger I shouldn't have read that out, really. William says, from what I can see, racism did appear at some point in the form we know today. Now, I'm not sure of exact dates, but I concluded my thoughts on it by looking at the Scottish football team, Queen's Park Rangers, in the 1800s. And one of their superstars, an incredible black man called Andrew Watson. Andrew also played for Scotland when they beat England 5-1. He went on to play for English teams. There is no mention of any form of racism or abuse whatsoever, anywhere, surrounding the first black player to play at international level. That is interesting. And I know, well, maybe I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But one of um, the first division, as it used to be known before it became the Premier League, its its first black player may well have been a goalkeeper who may very well have played for West Ham. But if I'm wrong, please feel free to 
decimate me for that. But I, I have this thing at the back of my mind. And that's an interesting point William makes because it would be interesting to go back and try and find any examples of the man being abused. Because, I mean, it would have been a real novelty, wouldn't it? You know, seeing a, a black gentleman tug out for the first time in the old first division and you wouldn't have seen it before. Did anybody give him any stick? Was he... Uh, I mean... You know, back then it wouldn't have been unthinkable for for a journalist to write something racist about him. But that's a really interesting point, uh, William. Really interesting. We'll have to we'll have to have a look at that. Millie says it's his or her birthday. It's hers. Richie, I know of another who died following the jab. He was my sister's ex, and it was expected that he succumbed to drink and prescribed drugs. He was found at home dead, God love him, but during the coroner's report, they, they gave no reason behind his death. And Millie says, for feck's sake, nobody even mentioned the massive white elephant in the room, i.e. that he had only just had the jab, or the jabs. Yeah. Yeah. I work here, right? I, I work for you, obviously, for those who support the program, I suppose I'm I'm not your employee, but you know there is a there is what's the word I'm looking for here now? Um, there's an unwritten contract. You support it, I prepare it, I come on and I do it. Right? I I came under no pressure in the last two years to have a jab. I had a couple of text messages to the phone from the surgery saying come in and have it. I had a text message about the flu jab a few weeks ago. I ignored it. I binned it off. But I didn't have... It's the ice cream man. That makes me think of Eddie Murphy gags. I think the window is slightly open. I think it is actually. I can see from here. I left the window slightly open. Letting out all the air con. But a couple of text messages. They talked about persuaders, didn't they? All, there was a lot of bullshit in the press persuaders will be sent out to knock on doors to ask people who haven't come forth who didn't come forward to have their jab to ask them why didn't you come forward for your jab you you anti-social selfish Baxter Jew why didn't you have a jab but they never turned up the persuaders it seems to me that people who worked in care homes and people who work in the NHS as employees I mean seem to get the worst of the pressure now you had other people who were told they wouldn't be able to travel without proof of jabbing. So they wanted their summer holiday in 2021. And God love them. Who could blame them? Right, 2020 had been written off. They'd had lockdowns one and two, even three in early 2021. So some people went and had it because it got them out of the country. But the point I'm making in this long-winded ramble is that by and large, we weren't really put under an awful lot of pressure unless you worked in maybe maybe if you were a civil servant maybe if you were a police officer maybe maybe the care homes and NHS workers across the board who were told they might lose their job but the rest of us really were kind of left alone weren't we and that's where the self-spreading jabs come in it was Spiro Skouras who alerted me to that He's another smart uh, cookie, Espiro. Smart's the wrong term to use these days. He's a bright cookie, isn't he? He alerted me to that, that they are looking for ways to get 
to get around the jabbed. Sorry, to get around the unjabbed. To get around the unjabbed, yeah. Yeah. The refusniks think they can refuse it, do they? We've got uh, technology which will allow the jabs to leap, or whatever is in the jabs, to leap from one person to another. Bastards. Boycub says he's sticking to the audio only. Good man, Boycub. That's how it should be. Audio. This is radio, not video. Uh, Peter from Suffolk. How are you, Peter? Hope you had a great day afterwards yesterday. Richie, it was Liz Truss. You're right. She met um, the Queen. Pictured when she got the Prime Minister's job. The Queen looked as healthy as anyone could wish for at 96 or whatever that was. Of course, it's often said that it's often said that you know, when someone dies of a heart attack or dies of a brain hemorrhage or aneurysm, it's often said by people, Jesus, he was the picture of health. Jesus, he was the picture of health. So look, it doesn't mean anything. She looked fantastic, you know. Jacob showed them the video of this to his eldest daughter and told her that I was six over six foot tall. She said, really, he looks so small. Do I look small in the video? I to Paula, who says, being as we are in an agenda, and always have been. It makes sense that the royals have their own sell-by date. P.S. says, um, Paula, I look in the loo to see if there's any rats coming up from the sewer. Says Paula. Paula. Davy says, um, it was Clyde Best, the first black player for West Ham, but he played outfield. Well done, Davy. Well done. So I've made a complete bags of the story. The first black player for West Ham was Clive best definitely you're right there but there was a black player who played i'm going to google this now watch this i'm googling first black player in soccer um player to play in england yeah that's me that's me typing away there we'll find it we'll find it we'll find it let's see jack leslie is mentioned who was the first black player to play for England? Viv Anderson is the answer. The great Viv Anderson who played for Forest, for Arsenal and for Manchester United before going on to be a, a successful coach as well. England's first bl black footballer was Jack Leslie. Was Jack Leslie. So I'm wrong again. Or was he a goalkeeper? Um, wait for it. Was he a goalkeeper? No. Maybe he was. It's, it's not saying. Yeah, he played for um, Plymouth, Argyle, between 21 and 34, 1921 and 1934, Jack Leslie. And he wasn't a goalie. He scored 137 goals in 400 appearances for Plymouth, Argyle. Um, and, but he was robbed of the chance to represent England due to racism, you see. You see, he was prevented, he was excluded from selection because of his colour, because of the colour of his skin. Um, so that's uh, the first black player, yeah. So maybe when he played for Plymouth Argyle, maybe he wasn't getting abuse from the terraces because he was black, uh, Jack Leslie, but um, it seems that he was barred from playing for the national team because of the colour of his skin. So this shit went on back in the day, whether people like it or not, it did go on. You know, anyway. I'm nearly done today, more or less. As far as I understand, when I end the broadcast on Rumble, in a minute, it'll automatically upload to the Rumble channel where God knows why anybody would want to watch it. 
and I really mean that but it'll be there I think as long as the channel exists and I will continue to go live on the Rumble channel because it's no skin off of my teeth particularly like this with the very basic very simple shot and um, you can hear the guests loud and clear you can hear the monologue inserts the clips loud and clear so as long as you can we'll keep going I want to again say thank you from the bottom of my heart for the long-suffering Paul Ripley who's been with me as a friend first and foremost and as an engineer since 2014. Paul uh, had to get into this remotely today just before five to make it work because I made a balls of it. Because that's the sort of thing I do. Because I'm not very tech-savvy at all. But there you are. And um, for those watching Envision, it's Bob Seeger. Over there. Jesus, Richie. It's all back to front. Elvis is there as well. Bruce is there as well. And uh, Jeff Lynn is there as well. My favourites. It doesn't really matter. That's it for the programme. Massive shout again to Mariam Hanane. Thank you for listening. Look after yourselves and one another. We will speak tomorrow at 5 o'clock UK time on the Richie Allen Radio Show. Until then, bye for me. Bye now.